0: what's up everyone we got a great show for you today we got Pastor Rod Vargas he and his family shepherd a church called Union Church in Houston Texas and he's got a great story He, his family were immigrants and he was a successful businessman at one time he was on the brink of committing suicide his uh, wife saved him through prayer and you don't want to miss today's episode but I have a confession I make. I'm making this intro from Alabama. And yesterday, I got stoned. Stay tuned to hear more. Today we do a background check on Rod Vargas. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you motivate you and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say go go ahead check my background my name is JD gum and this is background check you
1: already know let's go you can check my background i'm a forgiving felon so tell them that i won't back down no you can bet i won't live in regret
0: it's time to earn some respect you are tuning in to background check What's up, Background Check family? Uh, so good to be here. Uh, yesterday was rough, but thank you for tuning in to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, J. Dan Gumm. It's always brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. But today's episode is also brought to you by PR Equipment. Nick and April Pomeroy down at Cairns, Texas, have donated a, a $6,000 value uh, landscaping package with a riding lawn mower, 40-volt battery-operated lithium batteries, uh, uh, hedge trimmer, blower, chainsaw, weed eater. Go to ForgivenFelons.org. It, we're raffling that off. One ticket will win, all, win you all of that. So go to ForgivenFelons.org to learn more about that raffle. And, and the raffle is just a precursor to North Texas Giving Day, which is happening this month, September 23rd, where uh, that's our big fundraiser. And so uh, also this episode is brought to you by Express Employment Professionals. They're a staffing service and their Bruce and Camilla Binkley are amazing people their staff are great and they got lots of jobs uh, available for you so check them out Uh, they they are uh, sponsors of our North Texas Giving Day as well so um, hey if you want to know more about Forgiven Felons go to the website ForgivenFelons.org see what we do see what we're planning on doing the Resource Center which is why North Texas Giving Day is our big fundraiser we're gonna have vocational training food clothes hygiene all the normal stuff but we're going to have social entrepreneurship where guys can uh, learn a trade and flow right into the business that we that we have for them. So we're really excited. We can't wait for North Texas Giving Day. We're going to be giving away something almost every hour, and we want you to help. But don't forget about the tickets. The tickets are on sale now for that ride lawnmower package. And even if you don't have land to, to enough to mow with a ride lawnmower, buy a ticket and bless somebody with it or buy a ticket, and if you win, you can sell it. Uh, either way, everything, all this, all the proceeds from the raffle goes directly to forgiven felons. So thank you very much. Hey, listen, um, so Pastor Rod, our guest, and I recorded this about a month ago, but uh, I'm in Alabama right now. I should have been in Alabama, or I should have been back in Dallas yesterday, but a family invited me, um, the Ward family invited me to come and speak on behalf of their son who's an inmate in Alabama prison uh, who was up for parole and we've been corresponding uh, What's up? What's up Carl and? You know, he wanted to know more about our ministry and he's trying to come to our transitional house So I went and spoke on behalf when the family was taking me to the airport um, I got a kidney stone attack and I actually had to have them drop me off at The, the emergency room and that was at about 1 And I got out of there finally last night about um, 8.30. So I was there for over seven hours, and they verified that it's a kidney stone. It's not as big as my first kidney stone about 10 years ago, but it's still painful enough. Uh, A lot of people were concerned about me because I was moaning and groaning for seven hours, and they were so glad to finally be able to help me. They were short-staffed. But, you know, through it all, I mean, I, was, I wasn't able to do anything. I wasn't able to text, call, because I was in so much pain. Uh, the word writhing pain comes to mind. But uh, so that's how I got stoned yesterday, kidney stoned. So last week I got high, this week I got stoned. Um, crazy, crazy, funny. Um, you know, if I didn't have my old ways, my old life, I, I, these jokes wouldn't be that funny. But listen, um, thank you for listening. The me appearing in, in, at a parole hearing in Alabama proves that the podcast is touching people's lives. So if you know people in jail and prisons and they have access to tablets, make sure you tell them to look us up. Um, you know, they may be able to hear this podcast on their tablet. All right. Um, well, let's get to let's get to the guest, Pastor Rodrigo Vargas. He uh, and his wife, Sarah, pastor a church in in Houston. Called Union Church, Union Houston, I think. I can't remember the wording of it, but it's an amazing church. He's actually given me the privilege of speaking there. Uh, got a great story. I can't wait for you to hear it. This man is amazing. He's not a traditional pastor. He's like Jesus. And if that offends you as a pastor for me saying that, then be more like Jesus. You know, um, do the things that Jesus did. Uh, stand up to the people that Jesus stood up to, and help the people that Jesus helped and uh that's what rod and sarah do at union and i love it they got a great family i met them in prison you know anytime you meet somebody in prison uh ministering to the guys the inmates uh you know they're good people you know they are so without any further ado here's our interview Uh, oh and forgive the audio i'm actually doing this in a hotel um trying to get the best sound as possible I, i didn't bring the right cord for my microphone so I'm actually doing this on the computer speakers, but I got a cool little setup to try to get the best sound possible. But still, I don't think it's very good. But anyway, um, here's my interview with Pastor Rod Vargas from Union Houston. Pastor Rod, welcome to Background Check Podcast. What's good, baby? <laughs> all right, so we're going to do a background check on you. All right. Does this scare you? No, not, not at all. I tell people all the time, go ahead, check my background. Yeah. The, the opening song says... Uh, you know it says we believe at background check podcast that your background shouldn't hold you back it should pay you back come on now you know what i mean and uh you know when i'm ministering to an alcoholic or i'm ministering to an ex felon who did time i'm ministering and they and they make a life change my background is paying me back yeah, instead of holding me on, back, you know what I, mean? I love it and so uh so we just we have background check podcast to try to share stories of people who've risen above their background. Now, background could be incarceration, addiction, abuse. We've had a lady on here named Priscilla who was sexually abused by her dad, you know, and that was her background, Mm -hmm. and she rose above that. Now she's an advocate in Michigan, you know, in the legislature. And so anybody, we've also had CEOs on here who have eight-figure businesses that have risen above their background, and uh, we've had lawyers, judges, and... um, uh, Think you're going to be the first pastor? You, oh, really? You were going to be the first pastor a year ago, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, due to technical difficulties, we weren't able to air that one. Uh, yeah. So, so round two, but really round one. Yeah. Maybe we can, you know, relive some of that. That stuff. was practice. Yes, that was practice, and practice does make perfect. So we're, right. um, but we're gonna. First thing I want you to do is tell everybody who you are right now before we get into your past, your background. Sure. Tell us who you are right now. Honor your family, your your your, your spiritual family of choice, and your biological family. That's right. yeah. You know, everybody. Honor everybody. Tell us who you are and, and what you do and where you do it. All right. Awesome. Well, my
1: name is Rob Vargas. Um, I'm the lead pastor of Union Houston, a vibrant, diverse uh, church in the inner city of Houston. Uh, we minister uh, our, our, our call to action is all people always Uh, That means that we invite all people, no matter what they look like, no matter what they're going through. And that's always and we're always ready uh, to share the gospel or testimony of who Jesus is in our life uh, by the way we treat people uh, in our everyday lives. And um, we've been around for five years. We're kind of a miracle church. Most churches plant they you have to raise about two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollars. We actually only raised about ninety two thousand dollars, and the Lord did the rest. Uh, and um, amen. Yeah, <laughs> we launched with three hundred forty seven uh, in attendance. Um, that dropped. Um, it, dro- it traditionally drops after the first month or so. Uh, but our first year we stayed above 115, I think it was the average the first year. Yeah, uh, it was the second at the end of the second year that we added a second service um, that we exploded. Uh, it went from 150 to 180 to 200 to 250 to 350. And right before the pandemic, we're around 450. Um, we've sustained about 420. We calculate both in person and online, we're right. fully in person, fully online. Uh, we never stopped doing our outreach. We're a big uh, outward-looking church. Yes, uh, we believe the church is not a building. Uh, we believe the church is in our hearts. Uh, and for people to experience church or the presence of God, we got to go to those that need it desperately. Absolutely. Uh, so very, um, very honored, very privileged to be doing what I'm doing. Um, we are a little bit different church. I think you've been to it. Yep. Um, yeah. When when I say we welcome all people, we welcome all people. Uh, I don't wear suits. Um, I am who I am. Um, uh, I present myself in the most honest, transparent way, which, by the way, had been a long journey to really be comfortable in my own skin. Yeah, Uh, because even in the non-denominational forward thinking church, there are some do's and don'ts that are unspoken. Uh, I was the dummy that attached those things to myself. I am fully walking that out. I am. I've preached with my gold (laughs) fronts on, and um, yeah, so I'm enjoying uh, enjoying the ride. I am married to the beautiful, gorgeous, amazing. Uh, Sarah Vargas, she's actually our operations pastor. I have four amazing kids. My oldest, uh, Maximilian Vargas, he is a United States airman. He is I in training that. right yeah. now, serving our country, making me proud. I told him, listen, you need to be at the top of your class in physical, mental, everything. I need everything, he said. That's my plan. So that's my boy.
0: I think the first time I met you uh, and Max, um, was before y'all planted the church. Y'all yep. were y'all were, I think, hanging out at Elevate people. Yep. I believe. And and y'all y'all came into a uh, Mike Prison. Barber weekend mm-hmm. and I met you guys and I was so impressed with your son. Yeah, he went to the seg he's
1: units. We went to the incredible to the incredible. What is that? Uh, level being. five. Yeah, G five. G five. We were in the G five. He was 18 years old in G five sharing Jesus so to impressed. lifers.
0: So impressed with him, man. He was, I mean, obviously he's cut from you and you're a mm-hmm. Pretty impressive, dude. Yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 y'all's family is just incredible. Yeah. It really is your yeah. church family, you know, your family of choice. Um, I was excited when when Brandon told me that uh, you were planting your own church. Yeah. I was excited for you, man. Yeah, that's good. And uh, you you guys also uh, support forgiven felons, that's so right. we appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, you're sowing good seeds yeah. into, into Absolutely. fertile soil, Absolutely. and and we know God is going to produce the harvest for you guys. So. Yeah. So we're excited. You, you already mentioned that you're, you know, you're, you're, I forgot my three daughters. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I got three beautiful daughters. Sorry, daughters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My three beautiful daughters, Victoria, she's 22. Um, my 17 year old Carmen and, um, my, uh, 16 year old Eva Maria Vargas. They're all very artistic. One's into fashion, one's into actual drawing. She's takes her background in anime. And then my youngest is in uh, a graphic designer. She actually graphically designs most of our social media um, posts. And um, she's really into topography and has a great palette for uh, looks and uh, colors and so forth. So yeah. it's really exciting to see how God has uh, gifted them. And I, I'm one of those people. My son was an athlete, so I pour into whatever it is the Lord wants to do them. I don't force them into yeah. things.
0: Uh, I really believe in that. He's so. a pretty good athlete too. He was uh, big into CrossFit, uh, yeah, for was, a CrossFit. Yeah, he was.
1: He's actually qualified. He fell three spots right outside of the re- uh, qualifying for the CrossFit games. Um, He didn't put too much effort into it, though, because he knew he would would be called any week uh, to the Air Force. Um, But he said uh, next year he's going to do a full-blown run at it. Uh, And Interestingly enough, he has dual citizenship. So he's actually representing Chile, where I'm originally from, uh, in the games. Um, And there's a strategy for that. There's so many athletes in the United States of America that he just felt like I'll have a better shot representing my other side. Of my heritage by representing Chile, that's and cool. so it's
0: exciting because he'll be a blonde-haired, blue-eyed <laughs> Chilean. <laughs> you know, you know that's funny because the first time, you know, back in my older days, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you do a background check on me. There's a lot of partying, and uh, I hung out at a bar that had a lot, a country bar, country western bar that also played hip hop. Twenty five minutes out of the of every hour. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those bars and there was a lot of Latinos and a lot of Hispanics and mm-hmm. and I and I was friends with all of them. This yeah. whole Garcia family was huge. It was almost like a cartel or something. But I was friends with all of them and one mm-hmm. year they asked me to play softball with them and I did cuz they knew I was a softball player. Well, they played in a in a Hispanic all-only league mm-hmm. and you were only each team was only allowed 3 non-Hispanic players. Okay. Okay. And so uh, because you know, you're in you're Hispanic league, you got to have Hispanic players on the team. So, I was one of the non Hispanic. You were one of the token white guys. Yes, and I get to practice. <laughs> I get to practice, and I'm like, hey, Tony, I thought there was only three of us, of white guys on the team. He goes, he goes, three non Hispanics. I'm like, I'm looking at five white guys right now. Yeah, but they're full blown. And he's like, they don't speak a lick of English, <laughs> yeah.
1: bro. I'm like, what? Bro, there's a ton of Mexicans that, that are is blonde here. That's crazy. My, the guy that led me to the Lord. Uh, shout out to my boy, Joey Puente. He's from Veracruz. He's Mexican. And I have met his parents. They're, you know, dark little Mexican. He is dirty blonde hair, blue wow. eyes, wow. white as all get out. I thought he was a white boy until he said, nah, bro, I'm from Veracruz. And uh, Yeah.
0: It's, That's funny. Yeah. That's crazy. They're out there. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you have a thriving church. You have a great family. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't always been this great, though. You no, know? It, hasn't. it hasn't. So let's, uh, let's, let's do a background check on you, because the reason we do background check podcast is because the, the phrase background check has such a negative connotation. Yeah. You know, yes, we're going to hire you. You're hired. Start next week. Two weeks later, oh, oh we yeah. have to fire you because the background check came in. Uh, they do a, a, a credit background check. They do a criminal background check. You know, I mean, everything is about the background check, but they only use it to to look at negativity. hmm and so I just felt like God was saying, Jesus, when he walked this earth, mm-hmm. he did background checks. Mm-hmm. But he did not let the negative part of people determine their future. Come on. I mean, look at the look at the disciples. It's almost like he he purposely picked out three quarters of them would not be able to be on staff at our churches. <laughs> Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, none of them would be, you know, it's just like crazy. They were either they were either violent, they were either, uh, you know, tax, a tax collector. A, a terrorist. Simon the Zealot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. None of these guys. I mean, you know, and I think back to even the characters of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Joseph oh, yeah. was a convicted rapist. Yes. He would have to register as a sex offender in our society. That's wild. And you know how many churches would not even give a Joseph the time of day? Wow. People, so many Christians think that there are no innocent people in, in prison. Oh yeah, when the heroes absolutely. of our faith were all either framed, oh, wrong, yeah, wrongfully convicted, Jesus, innocent, yes, yeah. and so when I am talking to a Christian, they're like, "Oh, they, you know, they ain't no innocent people in prison; they, they're guilty of something." I am like, "Man, you you don't understand. Our our faith is built on people that were framed and mm-hmm. innocently, wrongfully convicted, and and I don't understand why you don't understand that. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. we've had wrongfully convicted on our podcast that were Christians that went to prison. You know, and so uh but anyway the background check i just wanted to be able to have a platform where people that have been through some crap in their background mm-hmm. have risen above it and are doing well doesn't mean they're perfect doesn't mean they got out of it all together but they're but they didn't let their background hold them back mm-hmm. they're making it pay them back yeah you know mm-hmm. and uh so so let's talk about you a little bit. You know, uh, yeah. Where 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 did you grow up? What was life like in the Vargas family growing up? Man, and, and it was
1: wild. I'll start. You know, um, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm actually an immigrant. I was born in uh, Chile, South America, uh, seaside city of Viña uh, del Mar. Um, and at the age of uh, four or five, my dad was uh, there. Was uh, we were under a dictatorship. And my dad uh, was taken into questioning, tortured. Um, uh, And at that point, he made a decision that this was not a stable place for us to live. Um, And uh, over a period of time, he saved enough money. They used to own a company, him and two partners, and they escaped uh, really chilly. I came to the United States, um, and we lived alone in Chile for about a year. I don't remember some of that because as a little kid, I do remember moments, but that drew drew me really close to my grandfather and my grandma, uh, which lived right upstairs. Um, And then eventually, uh, about a year or so later, my dad put about $10,000 in the bank account. This is 1979, late 1979, 1980, which is a lot of money. Back then, yeah. Uh, uh, My dad would work. 80 hours a week, you know, sunrise to sundown, just to, to make this happen, was living with people here in the States. Um, eventually, uh, was able to get us to go uh, to Miami, Florida. Um, and we arrived in America in uh, October of 1980. And uh, uh, it was a new world. I remember I'm an avid uh, uh, cheeseburger fan. And the reason (laughs) is that was my first American meal. And I had never tasted a cheeseburger before. And it was a quarter pounder with cheese from Burger King. And uh, so for 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 many years I was addicted to Burger King. Now I'm only addicted to McDonald's fries.
0: <laughs> they're pretty good. Yeah, they're. I good. like McDonald's and Waterburger fries. They're yeah, so I don't.
1: I'm not crazy about Waterburger fries, but I love McDonald's fries. Yeah. Like I can yeah. have a McDonald's fry anytime. My perfect meal is either. Um, and In-N-Out double double uh, with McDonald's fries or a double meat water burger, grilled <laughs> onions, spicy ketchup with McDonald's fries. Ooh, now you're speaking Ooh. my love language. Those two things, those two meals for me. I don't know why people argue. These two things are heaven sent. Okay. But anyways, I, I, I we lived in Miami for a little while. Uh, this is part of the story. But w- when we first arrived, the first thing I did was get homesick. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather. My grandfather was a, kind of a father figure, a person that really passed down to me uh, the ability to question things and research things. Yeah, um, And uh, I loved him very much, and I missed him, um, and I was in this new place in this new land, uh, new food, new culture, new language, didn't understand. Um, and in a period of a year, I'm homesick, I miss people, um, and I was... There's, we can skip the details, but basically, I was verbally abused by someone I care and love. I was physically abused by uh, a an authority figure, and I was sexually abused by a babysitter. And uh, that all happened in that year. And those traumas carried with me all the way till I was 13 years old. I'm really an extrovert. I'm really outspoken. I'm bold. I'm eccentric. But for many years, I kind of like bottled that up yep. and would only do that in very safe places right? because of trust issues. And at the age of 13, my parents put me in a Catholic school um, um, because we, we had moved to L.A. Uh, from So 1980 to 1983, we lived in Miami. The drug wars was really bad in Miami. My dad decided, we're going to go to L.A., move to L.A. And from 83 to 89, I lived in L.A., which is my adolescence years. Um, and then at age 13, uh, in 1987 uh, on St. Patrick's day, uh, Catholics kids don't go to school on St. Patty's day. <laughs> so as my brother and sister, my parents were off at work. I was at home alone. We had a little house party with some friends from the Catholic school and we all decided to take shots of white Bacardi rum. And when that white Bacardi rum hit my stomach, everybody else was gagging or throwing up. I had found a piece of heaven mm. or what I thought was a piece of heaven. Yeah that negative voice that told me I was stupid, that I sounded stupid, that I looked stupid, that I was not worth anything, went away. Mm. And from the age of 13 to the age of 33, uh, alcohol was, uh, I think, just kind of precursor because eventually what really did me in was um, at the age of 13, I drank when I was 16 years old. I drank a lot but it wasn't until I experimented with cocaine at about age 17 that I realized there was something that was way more phenomenal. Uh, I stayed away from it cause it scared me a little bit. Yeah. And I got my, my girlfriend pregnant, which is my wife. We had max life came at me quick. Um, during those years I was hustling, side hustling, do little stolen merch, uh, stolen credit cards, a little bit of weeds, uh, dealing on the side. Just enough to buy, you know, the kid new Jordans and keep up with the Joneses. Uh, but by uh, I also was, you know, pretty hardworking. I elevated myself in the corporate company I was in. And by the time I was 25, I was an atheist. I already decided I don't believe in nothing. Y'all are all crazy. Talking about this Jesus dude and resurrection <laughs> and y'all are out of y'all minds, you know. And I met my spiritual mentor. He, I asked him some questions about a parable I heard and he opened up the Bible and, man, the words grabbed a hold of me. And within three weeks, basically, of him just over coffee, just being himself, you know, he was a person I connected with. He had long hair, earring, tattoos. He had been in the music industry. He's an amazing musician. I love food, and we're having coffee, and we got to, we were, he had me reading John 1, Genesis 1, first week, second week. When we got to uh, the third week, uh, fall of man, um, the plan to redemption, and then John 3, where Jesus says, and if you believe in him, you already have eternal life, and he just stopped, and he just looked at me, and he asked me, do you believe that? And in that moment, I was like, yeah. And he says, you have just accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I was like, and nobody can take that from you. Hmm. Can I pray for you? We prayed. What's crazy is I went home and I didn't tell my wife. Um, I don't know why I was such... I had been so adamant about making fun of (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Then I was embarrassed. It's hard to come back and eat. You got to eat some crow. Yeah, I was eating crow. (laughs) So what I did was on Saturday... I told her, hey, tomorrow I want to go to church. And her eyes lit up. So we started going to a Lutheran church. However, for eight years, I did church my own way. Right. No small group, no discipleship. Yeah. And I read my Bible and I prayed all the time. But, again, didn't know what worship music was. Um. The I, Well, I, let me backtrack. I, I only listened to gospel. Um. And the gospel that I had access to, which was basically... Uh, Fred Hammond, Marvin Sapp, um, the Reverend James Cleveland <laughs> was my first gospel album, believe it or not. That's some good music. Yeah, it is, yeah, bro. Man. Like, I I'm look I look crazy. I got all these tattoos <laughs> and nose rings and all this go grills. But I'm an old school soul when it comes to, like, gospel. like. And so eventually um, I hadn't resolved my traumas and I hadn't really stopped drinking. I just drank more responsibly. Uh, for whatever reason, I, I did get a little, like, I, uh, I during that time, um, uh, I did stop smoking weed. Um, but what's, interestingly enough, when I stopped smoking weed, I began to drink more. When I would smoke weed, I didn't seek alcohol. Um, and so, like, kind of had the reverse effect. Mm-hmm. I still think God had some plan in that because eventually that kind of led me down a path of, well, and then I, I went into real estate. And I made a ton of money, bro. I used to make half a million a year. Drove a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes. Had a four hundred thousand dollar house. Have all this jewelry. I still have a lot of things that I acquired during that time that are blessings. People probably look at me and be like, "Oh my God, look, he's a you know prosperity pastor." I got stuff from when before. Like yeah. you know, I'm, have, I have had an amazing life before, and um, but with all that success, that was my first addiction: success money, bro. I loved me I walked around with a $3,000 gangsta roll everywhere I went mm. with a rubber man because T.I. said we the rubber man, <laughs> man. Um, and in 2007, uh, things started to collapse. I had uh, the Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice send a special agent to investigate uh, a person that had bought a house for me that had uh, murdered Someone in Colombia was in the cartel. Mm. Uh, then I had an ICE agent come to, a few ICE agents come to the office looking for a guy that bought a house that had been deported before. Mm. Um, then I had a DEA agent <laughs> and uh, call me. They were the worst. DEA agents are the least professional for the agencies. Oh, yeah. I bet. Probably the most corrupt. Yeah. But uh, he called me and threatened me. And I was like, I had nothing to do with it. Some lady bought a house for me and she was using it as a packaging processing place. Um, you can have the file. I mean, that's all I know. I mean, I met the lady a few times, and, you know, I mean, I didn't even make that much money off it. So, <laughs> uh, But w- one of those things that popped up was I started realizing, and I started drinking more, and I caused a depression. Um, and when that depression, that was actually 2006. In 2006, I had, like, this depression. I was drinking a lot. I went to the counselor. The counselor wasn't enough, so I went to a shrink, and the shrink gave me clonopin. And when clonopin hit my system, it was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And within a week, I was buying cocaine, hmm. and I was buying clonopins because I was eating eating them like skittles. So I was on this cocktail of cocaine all day, cocktails in the evening, clonopin to go to sleep, and I was making all tons of money. But so I was so addicted to money and success, and the gravy train that. Then I, I got physically addicted to this substance. Yeah. And eventually over time, I didn't even care about the six cents and the money. I was just so addicted to Coke and Xanax. Like I was snorting bars. I was crushing a whole bar and snorting it to pass wow. it out at night. Wow. Um, in 2007, when all these investigations happening, the icing on the cake was in June of 2007. I had a Secret Service agent come visit me. Uh, two of them uh, under false pretenses. Uh, I may be saved uh, today. This is why I will never speak to law enforcement without my attorney present <laughs> because I, now I know, and I knew better, but yeah. I really thought I didn't do anything. Well, it turns out that I had done a couple of deals that were worth about $650,000, and the agent that brought me the deal was referred to me by a friend of mine who was apparently doing something over here that was illegal, and I was attached to a 47-people ring of uh, mortgage fraud. Mm. gotcha. And uh, when that happened, I came to a place that were like, damn, how did I get here? And one night, I took a handful of Xanax, and I tried it down a bottle of vodka, I passed out. My wife found me, I was white with blue lips, basically dead. Mm. Uh, she didn't know what to do. She went in the room. She prayed, and a few hours later, I was awake making breakfast. Wow! Miracle! Wow! Um, well, I mean, your
0: w- your intent was to, to 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 kill myself, To get, get out of here. Yeah, I okay. was gone. I
1: was out. I was already dead, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I was just physically trying to kill the body. Yeah. Um, it was. I was a really. I I, I tell people all the time. Uh, I'm passionate about what I do, um, because my intention is to reach. That Rod, or the female version of Rod, that is actually intending on killing themselves. Yeah, yeah. So I get a lot of flack for what I do. I think we talked. And the earlier. way you, and the way you and do it. And the way I do it. I'm not, I'm gonna I'm not going to conform. Yeah. To your religious, denominational, right. doctrinal circles. I will follow exactly what the Lord did in me to
0: others. Yeah. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that has to do with you and not me. Right. It says more about them. And, you know, and Jesus, he did things mm-hmm. uh, out of the box, not according to the religious leaders and ways of the times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're truly going to be like Jesus, be more like Jesus was and not like the Pharisees and Sadducees were. Yeah, And absolutely. So, so, man, uh, I yeah, definitely I mean, don't have a problem with the way you do, uh, d- yeah. do ministry. And so that I tried to kill myself, but I didn't.
1: And uh, a few weeks later, my little cousin, 21 years old, was... Uh, Killed in a motorcycle accident. When I went to his funeral, uh, his name is Jamie Perez, Jamie Jr. Um, He was born again Christian. And I saw a church uh, that was smiling, that was praising Jesus. Uh, And the pastor spoke of Jamie about the love of Jesus that he shared with people. Mm. And he was wild. He was one of these Rough Rider motorcycle guys. And his friends were like ex Essays, And they had a motorcycle club and they all look really rough, but they all <laughs> love Jesus. And I thought to myself, man, if the Lord can do something in Jamie like that and do this, I, I want that. Yeah. Um, I got back to Houston. And one week later, a good friend of mine who I used to do binge drugs with killed himself. Mm. And I thought to myself, this is a struggle. Um, two weeks after that, I got arrested and I started to face a trial of 25 to life. Uh, fast forward, um, I called my spiritual mentor, my April court case of April. And I didn't hadn't told him what was going on. I called, cried. I was desperate. I was getting suicidal again. I told him, he said, let's pray. He prayed at 7.30 at night. I went to court the next day. The U.S. District Attorney walks up to me and says, I'm sorry you came down to the court tonight, today. Uh, we dismissed your case last night at 7.30 at night. I went downstairs, I called Joey, and I thanked him and I began to cry. And he said something to me that will always stay with me. He says, Rod, I know you think that your past has made God leave you, but I'm telling you right now, as messed up as you are, as hurting as you are, he's never been more close than he is right now. Mm. He's sitting in that car with you, brother. Mm. Wow. And that changed me. Unfortunately... I had to still physically get off of drugs. And so a few weeks later, I ended up in a rehab facility. My wife prayed. God gave her a strategy. It worked to a T. And three days into detox, I finally admitted, I, these substances got a hold of me, and I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. And so I went and sat on a park bench in Spring Branch, Texas, where we have our church today, at two and a half miles from our church. And I made a promise to God as I sat on this park bench on June 8th of 2008 on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I said, Lord, I've been running from you. I know you've been good to me. I know you've saved me. But from this day forward, whatever you ask me to do. I will do. Mm. And in that moment, I believe God fully took my heart. I felt joy for the first time. Yeah, I had wow. this peace that is beyond understanding. And from that day forward, I never thought about Coke. I never thought about Xanax. As a matter of fact, I don't take any fat burners because they make me feel accelerated. Mm-hmm. I don't even want that feeling. Right. Um, and um, uh, I walked into a church, a life-giving church, eight months later, and I heard worship I experienced worship the way we do today, Um, and I went into a small group, and I began to pour out my heart to other men, and we prayed together, and we struggled together, and we celebrated together, and we learned about the Lord together, and in time, I became the greeter leader, and then I was uh, this leader, and then he asked me to be a youth pastor, and um, I did it, even though I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Um, but because God was on my side and he was using everything I was giving him and I was obedient, and I had bold faith. That's one of my strengths is I'm going to always obey God and I have bold faith. Um, man, we grew a ministry that only was 12 kids to about 85 kids in a very mm. short period of time. Wow. In a, in a church plant, too. Uh, and eventually I heard the call of planting a church. And I didn't want to tell my pastor. I was uncomfortable. So I started to venture out and do things. I got invited to go to a prison. And I went to the Carol Vance unit uh, with IFI, uh, Prison Fellowship. Uh, I knew the, the Doug, the, the, the Bible counselor there. And when I walked in there, man, I experienced God like I never experienced mm-hmm. before. Looking at these men's eyes and seeing their souls and seeing that they were children of God, no matter what they had done and to see they treated me better in that, in that jail, uh, in that prison, than I've been treated in some churches. Mm. Um, and so for a while there, I thought, oh, I was called the prison ministry. Um, and so, but I think that was just like a thing, like my outreach heart, my super out right. outward expression of Jesus. Um, and um, a few months later, uh, Pastor Brandon Barber, B.B., walks in the church cause he was planting a church and my pastor was mentoring him. And when I shook his hand, the Holy spirit said, that's your next pastor. Uh, through a series of really difficult conversations and seasons, I ended up going with Bibi, and we, I went from being in the suburbs of Katy, Texas, where it's all safe and pristine
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: to third ward, Texas yep. to the 33rd. And man, I fell in love. I felt the Holy spirit. Like I never felt him before. I, I did altar ministry for the first time, praying for people. But I, I, again, I'm obedient, so I, I'm, I'm gonna do it. You know, I was I prayed for ex felons, crackheads, homeless people, suffering mothers, everything you name it. And it just those two years under BB's leadership really exposed me to so many things. The, the toy drive yeah. that, that we do with them yeah. at the end of the year really blessed my heart. That's where I met Big big George Floyd for the first time at CUNY homes. Um, and, and God began to speak to me about this church plant again and it became real. And when BB asked me to preach in the Harris County jail and I spit that fire with the love (laughs) and the grace and the mercy that the Lord had given me, he said, you're ready. Let's work on a plan to get your church going. And, you know, most pastors would hold me for a little while and oh, put yeah. me on a preaching platform. They, they would, yeah. Or like, even just
0: because they don't want to lose you.
1: They want you, they want you to be a part of their... But I got to give my boy, my brother, my overseer, Brandon Barber, shout outs. He did what the Lord told him yeah. to do. He said, let's get you ready. And if it wasn't for him and Kristen, we wouldn't exist. Yeah. And so... They're such great people. Yeah, amazing. And so we planted our church. That's that's my background. I, I'm a messed up ex-suicidal drug addict. I should be in jail. I've been arrested multiple times, but by the grace of God, I've been dismissed. Um, And uh, um, I've been dismissed from suicide and from death and you name it, man. So, you
0: know, and it's really neat. Uh, I think one of the reasons uh, God used jacked up people in the Old Testament to uh, show us the way, you know, I mean, even Moses, Moses, the person who led everybody out of Egypt was a murderer, a fugitive, a fugitive. (laughs) And, and I'm just like, you know, uh, and he didn't really, you know, didn't really have that much confidence in himself either. So why would I want a leader that's going to lead me? Yeah. (laughs) Who has low self-esteem, you know, that's just going to make me mad, you know, but, but he chose, he chose people to lead us, you know, and even Paul, one of the big heroes of the new Testament Mm -hmm. admitted that he had this thing, that he couldn't get rid of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that that w- and whatever that was, it, he saw it as a weakness Absolutely. in him, mm-hmm. you know, and that he didn't want it to be a part of him. But but whatever that weakness was, when Jesus, when God did the background check on Paul, he looked past that weakness. In fact, he said, "Your weakness is what's going to be mm-hmm. how my strength is going to be made perfect." Mm-hmm. And you know, I think I think pa- I think pastors lead pastors. You know, people call me pastor, and I'm always uncomfortable with it because I always told God I'm not going to be a traditional pastor. No matter what you make me do, I'll do it, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be a traditional pastor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, and so, you
1: but know. But you're definitely a
0: shepherd. Yes. Which is pastor. That's the yes. problem with
1: America is we've used the word pastor and we attach it to a communicator. No offense. Yeah. We got some amazing Christian communicators, yeah, but the furthest thing they are are shepherds. Yeah. That's true. I'm going to drop some dimes on Come you, on okay? with it, man. <laughs> okay? Your charisma can communicate the gospel effectively, but that doesn't make you a shepherd. Yeah. A shepherd is a person that has patience, yep. Yep. that has a grace, is full of truth, and is willing to pray when no one's praying, is willing to wake up early and stay up at, late at night and wake up at 3 in the morning and pray in the Spirit and war in the Spirit yeah. for those that no one's looking at charismatic communicators are a dime a dozen they write books they go on conferences but can i tell you oftentimes those seeds fall on shallow ground what we do right and i'm not saying i'm not a charismatic communicator by the way but my passion is to pastor
0: people And and there's a you know even even when you get into the bigger churches the lead pastors don't do any more shepherding other than preach on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones who teach the classes. They're not mm-hmm. the ones who mm-hmm. teach the, uh, lead the small groups. They're not mm-hmm. the ones, you know, so, so it's, it's really a shepherd's heart, you mm-hmm. know, um, is, is not necessarily about a title Correct. or a position. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's about a passion and compassion. I mean, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus was never given a, a title outside of John the Baptist, you mm-hmm. know, that, that said, there's a the lamb of God. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was never given a position in the Sanhedrin, never given a position as a Pharisee, Sadducee. He was never given a position, but he was the greatest shepherd. Yeah, he's only referred ever, to as a rabbi, Rabboni. Yeah, yeah, that ever walked the face of the earth. And, and you know, I love I love how our God uses people like us, mm-hmm. and, and it, not exclusive to us. There's lots of other people yeah, absolutely. out there. Um, but he uses people like us the kingdom of god needs people with with those backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's great it's a it's a great testimony to have given your heart to the lord at 8 years old and have never strayed and has been faithful. That is a great testimony Absolutely. as well. Yeah. And that testimony is going to lead somebody to the lord as well. Amen. Uh, the kingdom of god has to have both testimonies mm-hmm. because there's going to be people that, that 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 person won't be able to lead to the kingdom. That you and I might be able to lead to the yeah, kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you know, I I love. I've been to your church. You gave me the privilege and honor of even sharing on a Sunday morning. Yep. And and I've seen the diversity in your church, mm-hmm. and I've seen uh, the personality of your church, mm-hmm. and 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 I love what God's doing there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's you can feel the anointing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There during worship, yeah. and and just. Just incredible. I mean, everyone I met there was just was was uh, was amazing.
1: And I, I, I I'll tell you right now that it has nothing to do with anything I know anything that I've read in a book, anything that I've applied, it strictly has to do with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We are a Spirit-filled church. We are a praying church. I think you experience our prayer team. Yep. We pray. We intercede all week long and on Sunday morning before we do anything. We pray in the Spirit, and we war in the Spirit, and we win people over in the Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit takes control, and that's taken our worship team to a new place. It's taken our leaders to a new place, and it's taken... Uh, I would even say my sermons to a new place, yeah. not because of anything that I'm right. strategically doing. I'm just following the Spirit. Now, there's order, and we still learn things and apply things to keep order and
0: steward things. But it has to do fully with the Spirit. So let's let's talk to a specific type of crowd right now, mm-hmm. okay? Because there's lots of people out there yeah. that uh, are like me and you. Sure. That have been told that we 're disqualified from ministry because of where we 've been and what we 've done, sure, and unfortunately, there's some denominations that that you know that show that that's the way they are you can't you know you can't come be here on staff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I love my church, but I I could probably never actually be on staff at my church. Mm-hmm. I know I can't work in the nursery, you mm-hmm. know, which mm-hmm. was a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a blessing because <laughs> I don't want to be in there with all the smelly diapers. So <laughs> when they when we had kids and our kids were in the nursery and they're like, Mr. Gum, we, we ask all the parents to do, a, a, a you know, like a volunteer time in the nursery. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, wait, I'm a felon. You guys do background checks, oh, right? Oh, you got out, bless you. Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, I wasn't, I wasn't able to work in there because of my uh, background. My background paid me back. Yeah. There um, you go. You know. So, but even companies, you know, they can't have the liability of having a felon as yeah. a manager, and and you know, uh, but there's people out there that 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 aren't like me and you, mm-hmm. and are determined that we're going to make it. Yeah they're letting those voices say that they're disqualified because yep. of their past, get them so depressed that they're on the brink of suicide, they're on the brink of giving up and just going and doing something else because, because even the well-intended, well-meaning spiritual voices in their life are saying, you probably can't do this because of what you've been through, you can't do this because of what you've done. You know, um, Speak to those people right now uh, and and listen, some of them might be in prison and jail. This podcast is in the prisons and jails, mm-hmm. so speak to them in general. Some of them have ended up going to prison. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and maybe they're wondering yeah. if they're ever going to be able to be useful yeah. for ministry. Yeah, you know, and as Philemon, as, as Paul wrote Philemon, mm-hmm. and he wrote that letter and said. You know, it was when he was in jail. Mm-hmm. And, and Onesimus, the he runaway slave, yeah, that's was right. there with him in jail. Mm-hmm. He got caught, you know, He's and so for the word. He said he said he he used to be Unuseful, but unfit for ministry, but now he's useful. useful. Hey. And so speak speak something like that over, over that crowd, whether they're in prison, out of prison, if you want to speak something special to the ones that are incarcerated. Yeah, street,
1: I'll, 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 I'm going to speak to you from a very tender place in my heart, and it's actually part of my testimony. When, when I got done with rehab, uh, I went through a really sad period of my life uh, in which, um, because I wasn't fully consecrated and hadn't really kind of like given my life fully, like I'm going to follow everything God says and, and so forth. Um, I would always battle with identity issues and I do this and I do that. And I let people down. I, I borrowed money from people and, and, and I let people down and I did things to people. And so I had a track record, I had background. But on top of that, that was the arrest and uh, the, the you know, the, the addiction and so there's a period where even my closest friends uh, kind of distanced themselves from me. I was, yeah. and then I began to speak like about Jesus and how much I love Jesus. And then I became like the Jesus freak, and none of my friends were like saved and <laughs> and or go, gone, going to church. And and so like I, it was lonely, and it was me, my sponsor, um, and until I found the church. I mean, just my wife. Um, but I, but God was on my side, and. And and one of the things I ended up doing was kind of embracing um, that I'd messed up. In yeah. other words, I embraced not the identity that I'm that I messed up. I embraced the fact that I'm a broken person that made mistakes, and that His grace was enough. That His grace yeah. had, was restoring me and redeeming yeah. me. And so I had to go back into the workforce from being self-employed. And most places, because I was self employed, kind of interesting enough, it's like, it's, it's almost as if, as a 33 year old that has been self employed for 12 years and ran a, a multi million dollar company, to try to get a job <laughs> is as difficult as a, an ex felon. Why? I it. Because they see a successful company, this guy doesn't know how to take direction. This guy wants to do his own thing. He's only going to be here a while, and we got turnover ratios and so forth. And so um, I had helped someone uh, at, at my real estate company, and that that time with me, with me was beneficial, and he ended up getting a job at a BMW store. And so when I went to visit him, he had caught me a few times drinking whiskey at 8.30 in the morning with my gun out, and he was fearful for my life. And so I went to tell him that, hey, I got clean and sober, and I'm, I'm doing well. And so he's, well, do you have a job? I'm like, no, but I need to get a job. He's like, well, I recommend you try to get a job selling cars. I think you'd be good at it, especially high-end cars like BMWs. But his boss wouldn't even talk to me. Mm. And then he says, you know, I want you to reach out to this guy. He's a Christian guy. Reach out to him. Well, long story short, I reached out to the guy, weeks went by, I was losing hope, and at the last minute I was gonna take a job at a horrible dealership selling Fords. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with Fords, but working at a Ford dealership is a whole nother like yeah. Yeah. craziness. I get a call from a Volvo dealership from this guy, and he asked me to come in. And when I walked in, turns out I knew him. I'd bought a vehicle from him a few years before. Wow. So instant rapport. And then he tells me, you know what? I don't even interview. I remember you and your dad and your brother and all this stuff. And I want you to meet my general sales manager. And I walk into this office and there's this really fit black guy uh, with a shaved head. And he's really direct. Turns out he's an ex United States Marine major, uh, one of the last few paratroopers that actually jumped out of training. Wow. He's a United States Ranger. And he tells me, he asked me a few questions about my background, looking at my resume. He's like, well, let me tell you something, buddy. Uh, why should I hire you? The problem I have is there's two problems I have with you. Is Number one, you're a business ex-business owner. My background came up again. And number two, you're really smart, he says. And I hate smart guys because smart guys come in here and they think they know it all and they won't follow my directions and they won't end up selling cars. You end up quitting in my turnover rate. And in that moment, I prayed in my spirit, like just closed my eyes for a second and I prayed and I asked God, what should I do? And he said, embrace your story. Embrace your story. And I said, his name is Shed. Shed, I'm going to tell you my story. And this may be the smartest thing I've ever done or the dumbest thing I've (laughs) ever done. And I told him my story. And when he was looking at me, I could see his eyes were watering. And he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I like you and I'm going to give you a shot. And for nine years, that man mentored me, taught me things. I love him to forever. And I became very successful um, uh, uh, a businessman in the car industry. I just did, didn't sell cars, I went up the ladder, um, made six figures until I planted a church and went to make $40,000 a year as a pastor. <laughs> but it helped me pave the way to what we do today. Yeah. And here's the thing is, I would tell you that there are people out there if you pray and you just embrace your story but embrace not just the broken side embrace the redemptive side yes yes right that embracing i don't I'm not holding anything back has been my greatest strength there are moments where I try to like sugarcoat it and hold mm-hmm, it back mm-hmm. and it works against me yeah but when I embrace it it pays me back yeah, yeah it pays yeah. me back it has always right now I think we talked before off off Uh, microphones uh, a a few instances of where my background can hold me back if I let it but if I truly embrace it it's really paying me back and so if you're out there uh, one and you you got a background just embrace your story and tell it tell it from your heart Tell it with compassion, tell it with heart, with passion, tell it. And the Lord will be with you. And you'll never know. It might not be that company, but that guy you're interviewing with Mm -hmm. may know someone and tell you, hey, reach out to that person, which is what happened to me. Don't give up because God loves to intricately weave his way into your life in a very unique way. And so, and if you're incarcerated and uh, waiting to get out and you're 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 worried um, you're concerned um, there's some anxiety inside of you um, that is arising up how am I gonna do this man embrace your story uh, stay faithful but I would say find you a church and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you prisoners right now inmates my brothers that are locked up um, man also, and sisters. Ancestors, uh, uh, all, all that jailhouse religion is a bunch of nonsense. You need to go to a place that um, is, feels the presence of God, but where you are fully accepted. I said to you this off microphones. We, we as a church are wrestling right now uh, with the word assimilation. Most churches have an assimilation program, but assimilation says you need to dress like me, talk like me, be like me. And what the Lord does is integration. He takes the variety of testimonies, giftings, anointings, callings, and purposes, and he weaves it into the very fabric that's called the kingdom of God. And what we're looking for is integration, inclusion, not diversity diversity says oh we're all kind of different and we're no inclusion says yeah we're different but we're all part of one family one kingdom and they're out there they're out there they just might be a smaller church they not might be the sexy church in the in the city um it but if you just look for those places they'll give you the community and the strength. And and you'll know by their words and their actions. Mm -hmm. When I say we're vibrant and diverse church, Yes, you can see it on Sunday morning, but you'll also see it in our bank account when we give to forgiven felons, yeah. when we give to Elijah Rising that is fighting human trafficking, when we give to GCM, that's planting churches in Tehran, Iran, mm. where it is illegal yeah. to be a Christian. Wow. We say it when we give to FAM, which are planting churches in remote villages in Odisha, India. Mm. We say these things when we give to Mike Barber Ministries that goes into uh, prisons in Texas and gives a weekend experience to our brothers and sisters that are locked up waiting to be freed. <laughs> um, and and we say those things, but then we also say it when we go into our community. Yeah. And like we did two weeks ago, we paid for everybody's laundry at a local uh, wash it that he That's area. so great. And we fed them tacos from the taqueria next door. And we bought those tacos because they're a family-owned business in our community. Mm. And we asked them what their needs are. And we prayed for them. And if we can give them a gift card, we're going to give it to them. This is how you see. This is a normal expression (laughs) of who we are as a church. Brothers and sisters they are out there, look for them. And it's going to give you the strength. But most importantly, embrace who you are. Embrace your story, your testimony. It says, the revelation says that we will be saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That testimony has to be true, transparent, honest. So when I get up on stage and I open my mouth, the thing that I wrestle the most is I got to be honest and transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes that can rub religious people. That can rub denominations the wrong way. But I don't respond to them. I respond to the living
0: God that's inside my heart. Amen, amen. I think your dog Winston is letting us know that your time is up. Oh boy! Um, you know, uh, I love that dog. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've only, I've only this is the first time I met him. Yeah, ninety-five him. pound fool. Oh man, he looks, mm-hmm. he looks strong. Yeah, he is strong. <laughs> uh, Pastor Rod, thank you so much for coming on Background Check and uh, opening up your, your, uh, your background to us. Come on. And there's power. There's power in a background check. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, there's positive in a background check. You know, yeah. I, I tell people I'm not afraid to say, check my background. Yeah. Because if you go far back enough, you're going to see Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Who shed his blood I'm exci- for all my sins. I'm really
1: excited for when they open up the prisons for us to go back in because me and Jay, that's where we
0: met. We met in prison. Yep. <laughs> yep. And they are opening it up to uh, not full-blown like like uh, weekends of excitement where we go in as uh, counselors on a Saturday They're not doing that yet, but they're opening back up for services. Uh, I'm actually going in to a few units, Mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, maybe I'll call you up and see if you want to. Let's do it. A lot of them are doing them on Saturdays instead Mm -hmm. of Sundays. Some of them are Sundays, but I'm going in on a lot of Saturday mornings as well. That's nice. And they're doing, um, they're only allowed, like, to have 20 or 30 in the service, so... Mm -hmm. Um, but they've got to accommodate everybody who wants to go. So you know we may be doing like five or six services. Oh wow! You know like five, five That'd or six one-hour services yeah. right back to back. Yeah. So um, so anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that with That's you good. again. And uh, and next time I'm, I'm back in town on a, on a Sunday, I'm gonna come come visit you. Let's go at uh, at church. Um, you know what's funny though is you said Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. But you're wearing Chicago Bulls shorts.
1: Yeah, Michael Jordan's the uh, goat. But yeah, he is the goat. Yeah, he is the goat. goat. Uh, LeBron's right behind all this all these people is, to, to be honest with you. I think Kobe, Kobe and LeBron might, are, LeBron are tied. Kobe for me is the GOAT, but that's a lot of bias and
0: it's a lot of sentimental. Uh, Kobe uh, really, your heart says Kobe's the GOAT, but your practical basketball IQ Michael says Michael Jordan. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing Jordans, bro. Look, I'm wearing Jordans. I, I know. Bro. I mean, you're bulled out, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but no, um, Thanks again, man. You're one of the funnest people I know. Mm-hmm. You have the biggest heart of all the people I know. You have the most passion to see um, to see a crowd brought to the Lord that most churches don't have time for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if a drunk walks into your church, I pretty much know what's going to happen. If a drunk walks into most churches, security is going to be called. Sure. You know, so um, thank you for what you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for who you are. Yeah. Who's you are, appreciate your it. family's amazing, mm-hmm. and I um, and appreciate you coming on background check. Thank you for having me. You know, one of the things that I wanna say is, is after our interview, we went to eat lunch. And as we were eating lunch, we met this, our server, and I can't remember his name, but the server saw my shirt, keep calm, I'm a forgiven felon. And he asks, he says, what do you know about being a felon? Or he asked about being, uh, you know, the the felon on my shirt, and and uh, then he walked off. But when he came back, we um, we asked him, say, hey, what's going on with you? How, what do you know about being a felon? And he told us about a case that was pending with him, and um, he opened up his heart to us. And he didn't realize he was talking to two shepherds and two pastors. And you know, we got to know him a little bit. Got to know his uh, he told us about his, his case, and, and we got to pray over him, and uh, we're hoping to go back and follow up to see, you know, what happens. We prayed for favor in, in that in that waiter's, um, in that server's case, so hopefully God will intervene in a way that uh, is favorable to him. Just a really neat guy, and we, we love being able to minister in that way. A couple things I want to highlight on, on Pastor Rod's story, you know, I mean, he He was an atheist, you know, uh, because he just got tired of listening to us. Jesus people wasn't wasn't so sure we were for real about it all. But the fact that he said he got a mentor, the mentor makes all the difference. If you don't have somebody in your life above you. Now, it's easy for us to try to help others. I mean, uh, I don't know why a lot of people don't, but it's still easy for us to reach down or reach back and help others because you know it gives us a sense of you know almost that we're better than that person because you know let me help you because i'm in a better position and that's good that's great to still do that but we have such a i don't know why we have such a hard time um willing to reach up you know because that that requires humility to reach up i went through that in prison that was hard for me to listen to somebody that was younger than me in white wearing the same prison clothes i was uh and take and take counsel, wisdom, and advice from. It was just hard. But the fact that he did it and that mentor began to point him to chapters in the Bible that opened Rod's eyes, and and it was amazing. You know, another thing that Rod mentioned is that, you know, even after he gave his heart to the Lord, you know, he still smoked weed and drank. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians, uh, and I probably used to be one of them, But a lot of Christians will look at that and go, oh, he must not really be saved, because if he was saved, he wouldn't be doing those things. You know, and I want to challenge that. I want to challenge that theory, you know, because, uh, again, Paul had this thing that he had inside him or on him that was so repulsive to him that he considered a weakness that he wanted God to remove, and God didn't. And again we don't know some of the greatest scholars have posited whether it's a whether it was a behavior whether it was a, a physical ailment illness some talk about the hands physical but I you know I don't know that it I look at it and he wanted it gone so bad and he saw it as a, as such a, a weakness in his life and then I think back to Romans 7 you know how he's always said he, he, he does the things that he doesn't want to do and doesn't do the things he wants to do. And I wonder if that passage was tied to him asking God to take away, you know, um, take it, take it away. So, but the fact that God took Rod through this journey of just totally getting rid of everything that wasn't, you know, glorifying him is amazing. So don't, don't give up on Christians and don't shun them away and tell them they're not living for the Lord. Tell them they're not saved If they're not, um, if their journey doesn't look just like yours, you know. Um, The other thing Rod said was, uh, his first addiction wasn't any substance uh, at all. It was success and money, and a lot of people don't think they can get addicted to success and money, but they can. Rod's proof. You know, um, I can't wait till I have enough money where I can be uh, tested with that theory to to be. uh, I mean, I love making money, and I'm glad we have it, but. Uh, I don't know that I'm addicted to it yet um, but you know so addiction you could be addicted to anything and uh, the, the main thing is you know if you're addicted to Jesus then uh, all the other addictions that follow will be will be good ones they will but as soon as you start getting addicted to something bad that doesn't glorify God then you're gonna you're gonna have more addictions that are that are not God glorifying that will follow um, you know, the other thing I, I, I want to talk about, he mentioned, you know, Pastor Brandon Barber and Kristen, how, you know, when he came to them and said, I feel like God's calling me to plant a church, they didn't get mad. They didn't get like, you know, oh, I can't believe, you know, you're going to be in competition with us. And believe me, I know a lot of churches that say that and do that. And uh, churches get mad when, when either members or staff want to leave and, and go to the next level. And, um, you know, so if you're part of a part of a church, whether you're in prison, part of a church, leading the church or whether, uh, you know, you're out here shepherding, you know, your number one goal is to is to send out. I mean, yes, make disciples, but make disciples to send out. You don't want to just keep everybody right there. It's good people. But, you know, people people say, oh, when people want to leave, they're not loyal. Well, they're loyal to the mission of God. They're not loyal to the mission of man. And so, you know, be careful that, that you, you don't want to get to this, well, I got, these are my people, these are my tribe, tribe is a great buzzword, you know. But again, the mission, your mission should be to, to make disciples of that tribe to go do what you're doing in other places. You know, and there's a balance, you know. Yeah, some are going to stay and be with you forever and help you continue to grow. But there's going to be some where you train so well that they need to be sent out doing the same thing you're doing somewhere else. So, but listen, if Rod, if God can turn Rod's life around with all he went through, you know, I mean, Condoleezza Rice sending an agent to talk to them about, you know, a house that he sold. Crazy life, crazy life. His wife stuck through everything. Oh, the power of a praying wife! He was dead. He was blue, and she prayed, and she and God brought him back to life. I, I believe solely because of her prayers. So, listen: whether you're an atheist or a strong Christian, you can always get closer to God. Uh, you need a mentor. Um, let God hand. Let God clean the people up. You don't try to clean them up. Let God clean them up. Um, and addictions can be anything. Just make sure your first addiction, your number one addiction is Jesus, doing things the way he did it. Um, and uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode. Let's lift up Pastor Rod and Sarah in prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for the Vargas family. Thank you for Union Houston and uh thank you for the work they do for the kingdom thank you for the souls and lives that are impacted because of what you have called them to do lord i'm honored to call them friend i'm honored that they uh, support our ministry but lord i thank you for the man and the woman of god that they are they have a great family they have a great family biological family and family of choice lord i pray over the church body their church body pray that it thrives i pray that you bring a harvest to them i pray that you open doors for them to have a bigger place if that's what they want to have more room in the building they're in whatever lord you're growing them and uh, we need more space for them we need uh, or just the next level we just pray they go to the next level whatever that looks like if it looks like a new place or if it looks like the same place it's bigger but Lord, just give them everything they need for this next season that you have them heading into. Thank you that you've guarded and protected their flock. Thank you that uh, you've protected them through the pandemic, through uh, through any other crisis. Lord, I thank you for union. I thank you for Rod and Sarah and their family. Lord, be with uh, their son as he starts this new journey uh, in the military. Lord, be with that waiter that server that me and Rod talked to at lunch. Lord, I th- just give them everything they need. Lord, I, pr- I pray for the listener. I pray for the listener uh, to the podcast. Give them everything they need. Intervene in their situation. Lord, I lift up all the inmates that are maybe, you know, uh, the Ward family who went through this uh, parole denial. Lord, give them peace to know that you have everything under control. You weren't caught, you weren't caught off guard by this and that you, you are a time redeemer. You redeemed the time, and you can redeem this time that's lost by this denial. You can, and I believe you will, and you are. And uh, so, uh, but but again, Lord, it's hard to hear rejection, and I uh, just pray a peace over Carl, and a peace over the Ward family, and all you other people out there, inmates that are may that are waiting for parole. Just know that God's got you, no matter what the answer is. God's got you. He's got a plan. And um, thank you, Lord. Be with them all. Be with the listener. Whoever's listening, be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys again for listening. Sorry again for the crazy audio. But uh, thank you for uh, sharing the podcast with anybody and everybody. All right? And don't forget North Texas Giving Day, September 23rd. Our sponsors, PR Ranch Equipment, Nick and April Pomeroy, giving away the the raffle tickets, uh, buying the raffle tickets. Go to ForgivenFelons.org to buy some. Buy some right now, today, and we're going to do a a live streaming drawing at 8 p.m. on September 23rd, North Texas Giving Day. All right, so we got all the way till then to buy tickets. All right, and uh, thank you, Express Employment Professionals, for all you do at getting people back in the workforce. And and, uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm Jaden Gum, and this has been Background Check.